Hello and welcome to the Ghibli Rewatch series of the Overly Animated Podcast, where we'll be going through every Studio Ghibli movie chronologically from the beginning. I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I'm joined by Michelle Ander. Hello. And Delaney Stovall. Hey, y'all. Uh, the Ghibli Rewatch series, join us in rewatching or watching for the first time all the Studio Ghibli movies now that they're available for streaming for the first time on HBO Max in the United States and Netflix and most of the rest of the world. Uh, just as a note today, I noticed uh, we're recording this a little bit before this comes out, but I noticed on HBO Max there have been a little bit of problems with the subtitles and those all are <laughs> fixed now that I, oh, all of good. them are fixed. So everything we might have mentioned in the past few podcasts has been fixed as of now. So that's good. Thank you, HBO Max. Um, Dylan for tweeting at I did them, tweet at them several, several times, times yeah. to fix it. No, yeah. I was like, listen. Finally got around it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> New podcast every Wednesday as we go through the whole Ghibli catalog chronologically at overlyanimated.com. I'm a Ghibli expert joined by Coast with a variety of Ghibli experience today. We've reached the end of the rewatch. It is time for When Marnie Was There, the final asterisk as of 2014 <laughs> Studio Ghibli film. Um, but as of when we were recording this, this is the last one that has come out. This is the final entry in the Ghibli rewatch. When Marnie Was There, make sure you have seen this movie. Full spoilers for When Marnie Was There. And only minor spoilers for the rest of the Ghibli catalog, discussing both the subs and the dubs. So watch whatever you prefer, and you'll be fine for this discussion. Um, So yep, it's When Marnie Was There. This is 2014. Uh, This is Hiromasa Yonobayashi's second film after Arietti. This uh, Marnie was written by Yonobayashi along with Masashi Ando and Keiko Niwa. Uh, this is based on Joan G. Robinson's 1967 novel uh, of the same name. Another British novel here. Not surprising. Uh, this is, uh, this movie was successful critically and financially. Uh, yeah, nominated for an Oscar, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So this did well. And this was the final film before Studio Ghibli temporarily closed. Um, before people such as Yonabayashi branched off into Studio Ponok. Um, and, uh, yeah, so the, yeah, this is this is the the end of the line on the rewatch. Although we do have two more Ghibli movies coming as of uh, that we know of at the moment, including one, one directed by one? Goro at the end of this year. Yeah. Oh yeah, that yeah. one. Don't, don't don't yeah. We don't. Maybe it'll be great. Who knows? <laughs> I didn't know there were two. I just thought it yeah. was the one. Yeah. So no. one by Goro at the end of this year. One by the elder Miyazaki at some point. The elder. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. So, but here we have when Marnie was there. Um, by Yonabayashi, and I've no idea. He he goes on to to be one of the co-founders of Studio Ponok and directs Mary and the Witch's Flower uh, there, which has a lot of Ghibli staff as well, and is also a wonderful film. We won't be you know, awesome. won't be covering it on the Ghibli Watch, but it is very good too. Um, but how about when Marnie was there, uh, Michelle? What's your history with this movie? What do you think of it? Oh my god, <laughs> this movie. Um, so I, I think the promo stuff for this was released when I was still in college because I just remember any time like a new background image or anything came out on the internet in a press release, I would get so excited. And I just remember the first time I saw that poster art of them like holding hands with their backs to each other in this very like moody landscape shot. And I was like, what is, what is going on here? Are these two girls? Like, what does this mean? Like, it already, even from the promotional stuff, I feel like it had um, a spooky, interesting vibe. And I was so on board. It was insane. And I remember being so upset when I realized that it wasn't going to be out in the U.S. for another, like, 1.5 years yeah. after it debuted in Japan. 
and I would have to wait that yeah, much that how it be. figure out what it was about. But I mean, oh my god, this movie, this movie's a lot. This movie, like honestly though, um, this is like probably one of my top three movies. Like I'm not even kidding. Okay, <laughs> it's it, it's very much like a a personal choice kind of like not that like i think this is a wonderful movie i feel like there there's a lot to get into with the ending reveals and you know it's been a few years so it didn't shake me quite as much as it initially did i was i was very shocked initially (laughs) at the surprise ending but i mean there's there's so much good stuff here like even like i mean it's hard to give general thoughts. There's so much I want to say, but like this, this is a quality movie. It's beautiful. It sounds amazing. The character stuff's really good. Um, and it's just like it. it it's great to have like a, a main character who's kind of like a little different than we really have had before. Like she's, I don't know. She's just so androgynous and so having such a hard moody time in her life. And she's not the nicest person initially. And it's just, Oh, I just, I love all that. I love all of it for being what it is and being so different. And I love it. I love this movie. It, okay. <laughs> it, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's not, I mean, nothing's perfect, but this does a lot of things you never would have expected Ghibli to do. And like, honestly, like, I love that it did those things. So we'll get into it. That's good. Okay. I didn't know this was such a top movie for Michelle. That's, that's nice. I didn't. I didn't remember. I, I didn't know if I, it was going to be. And I rewatched it today. I was like, oh, my God. Yes. That's, okay, that's good. That's good. We'll get into the reasons why. Delaney, how about you? What's your history with Marnie was there? And yeah, and for once, all of us have seen this uh, round when it came out. So that's good. When it, What's your history with Marnie? And what do you think of it, Delaney? So I, funnily enough, when Marnie was there is actually one of the first Ghibli movies I've ever seen. So I had watched a few like the handful I've talked about before spirited away grave of the fireflies. I can't really remember like maybe I I could have watched when Marnie was there first and then watched the others. It was one of those Dylan told me that I should watch these movies and I did that. And it's one of those like unsure of the timeline. Like I do, I did watch it. A lot of us watched it when it first came out. Um, And I remember like Dylan hyped it up a lot and I was like, yeah, let's watch it. And, uh, I really loved this movie when it first came out and I was very much caught up in the mystery of it and like what was going on. And I remember really enjoying it and, but definitely I was way more caught up in like the mystery of it and I couldn't really appreciate everything that the movie had going for it. Um, The second rewatch was really impactful for me. I one, it's a gorgeous movie. Like it's gorgeous. And after watching a lot, like not a lot more, I'm still behind. I haven't watched all of the Ghibli movies yet, but I, I, I agree with Michelle. This is definitely up there for me in yeah. like my top five. I, I think this movie is gorgeous. I love like what Michelle was talking about. This is an extremely unique protagonist in the Ghibli canon. And I think she's my favorite actually. Like, I think I might like Anna more than I like Nausicaa. Only in that Nausicaa is the most perfect human being. Very, very different characters. Very different characters. But, um, I love this movie. Also, um, this movie has a lot of deep personal meaning for me. I was really close to my grandmother growing up, and she had passed away. Um, I don't really remember reacting so viscerally to this movie when I first watched it, because, I mean, my grandmother actually passed away, like, right before this movie came out. 
but I don't remember. I think it was just the mystery and like figuring out what was going on. I didn't remember reacting because, you know, it happens in like the last five minutes of the movie and you're like, what's going on? Exactly. And, but like watching it this time, I knew it was happening and I could really appreciate a lot of the story and just how truly sad this movie is. And also, like, also how freeing it is for Anna. So I, I love this movie. I might cry talking about it. Like, I, mm-hmm. this movie is beautiful, and it tells a really unique story that you don't get a lot in in anything in any sort of media. So I, I love this movie. It's so much fun. All the characters are great, and I, this is one of like I don't really like rewatching things, but I think I could watch when Marty was there like a, a ton, <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> I that's good. That. That's interesting. Yeah, um, that's interesting. We'll have uh, thoughts later on how this is a different movie. I think some movies play similarly on rewatch. This movie probably plays completely differently. So I think that's an mean, interesting when it, dynamic. When it's like reliant, like it's interesting. Like, I was really curious how this was going to play out for me because I was like, a lot of me remembering the movie is you know reacting to the twist. And so then I was like, I wonder how this is going to feel watching it because, you know, it's so, but no, this, even without the twist, this movie really does stand on its own. Like even, even, you know, it's not just the mystery. Like there's a lot going for this movie and you can really appreciate a lot of what's going on in the film after you know what's happening. Like after you need to watch this movie twice. Yeah, well, yeah, you, it's this, um, maybe more than any Ghibli movie, I would say, that has a big twist. And so, like, would, uh, you'd get, you, like, you can view what? the movie differently afterwards. So, yeah, we are going to reveal the twist. So, definitely make sure you have watched, uh, Marnie. Um, and it's a twist. Like, you really need to watch the whole yeah, movie. Probably. Please, at, some, at this point, people probably know what it is. I don't yeah, know. You should know. I mean, well, not like, everyone has seen this movie, though. Hey, yeah. I. I managed years to go like before watching Steven Universe, and I didn't have Garnet ruined for me. So like, that's, you never impressive. Know. that's impressive. You never know. <laughs> you never okay? know. Okay, that's good. Yeah, um, yeah. Saw Marnie when uh, when it came out, and I was a big fan of this one. Um, and I th- I've always thought this movie is gorgeous, great. I w- rewatched it. Um, I think I think I'm like slightly not as into it as I was at first, but it, you know we were so into it. It's hard to like quite capture the. the <laughs> oh my god, it was ridiculous when it first came out. We were all it's all we talked about for like weeks. Yeah, and and it's I was just a phenomenon. It's, like, it's how can you not? I, I agree that there's certain unique things about this. I do. I will say, having just watched the entire Ghibli catalog before, it, it's not like this to me stands out as one of the best movies or anything. Like personally, I think there's aspects that we're going to connect to more. Um, but uh, I do I do think it's it's very good and. Uh, it is really pretty. I think uh, Anna is a unique character. I, I think the arc she goes on is pretty good. Um, Anna and Marnie's scenes, I think, are the the best of this the movie, and they're all really gorgeous. Um, I was, I will say, I was distracted this watch I mean, <laughs> by be- the twist knowledge because i mean i think <gasps> i think i've seen this movie a handful of times this time i was like okay we're gonna talk about this i i'm gonna watch this through the lens of let's make this me ma- i want this movie to make sense to me reading it no, not gay you can't so i was you can't I was, you can't you, you literally cannot so i was just dist- i was distracted by that um it's i literally I'll, I'll, no, I'll Dylan, i was trying <laughs> I was it trying is- to do the same thing, and like, I mean, like, literally twenty minutes, and I gave up. Like, I was yeah. like, you can't do this. No, Marty does not even appear. <laughs> because it's like, like all of us know the twist. All of us have rewatched this at this point, so it's like we all know where it's going. But it's like that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that we've seen the whole Ghibli canon, and that like we can argue about things like ocean waves, like kind of reading, like. This is not subtext, and we we're gonna <laughs> talk ridiculous. about 
we're going to talk about the reasons for why it's not subtext. And they're there and it's real. But, like, that's why I say, like, this movie is wild and I can't believe this is a Ghibli movie. Because, like, why why in the world did they go here? But also, like, thank you, like, everything in the world for this to, like, exist. This movie has everything. Everything. It does. It has high drama. It has burgeoning romance. It has people learning and growing and appreciating each other. But also as, like... No, it, it ticks all of mine and my wife's boxes, which right. are gay grandma. That's it. Those are the boxes. Like. I mean, the gay for grandma thing literally is like, I think the line that shook me the most when yeah, you guys well, first Let, me, let me introduce this. So I, I have a record of when Delaney saw this because this was the third yeah. podcast we did on Overly Animated. The third podcast yes, in Ju- June 28th, 2015. Uh, Delaney, Sam, and I podcasted on when Marnie was there. And our friend Sam coined the, the term gay for grandma. <laughs> It is it is insanely accurate. It literally that sums up the movie is just gay for grandma. So if you're on, I, I, I'll explain it if it's not obvious under the assumption there's maybe people who don't read this movie as a romance uh, but like, coming oh in. God. But we interpret oh, many, many of us interpret um, Anna and Mani's uh, as, as she said in the the song okay. uh, their interactions as romantic, and then it's revealed at the end. Mar- is Anna's grandma somehow in magic ghost form. Um, So she has been gay for grandma this whole time. As messed up as that is, we kind of say it in a funny way. She seems fine at the end with Marty waving at her through the window. Like it's really fine. But it's like like that's the thing though, is that's what this movie is. Like, and the funny thing is that like my wife didn't watch this with me. I had it downloaded on my phone and I watched it because I didn't have time for us to watch it together. And that's all my wife knows about this movie is that it's gay for grandma. And she's like, I don't understand. Yeah, I'm so like, if we, like, like, well, when you watch, that's the thing. It sounds crazy, but it's it actually makes a lot of sense once you see it, it with your own eyes. It, yeah, once you, it's like, how could this? What that doesn't make any sense, gay for grandma. Once you watch the movie, it's like this is obviously that's what it is. Like that's just, <laughs> like, like that's just what the movie is. Yeah. So if you've never, like, if you're in our community, you've heard this term a bunch. But if you're not, yes. then we've introduced you to the what we're the, introducing we, we, you to gay for grandma, welcome. which. Which, if you haven't, if you if you're if you if you're now putting on new goggles, I just want you to know this will change everything for you while watching yeah, this movie. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, I, even I, if I, you're like, I don't know, I feel like even if you're like the straightest of straights, like even like the first half of the movie really sets up a romance in a very like we'll, we'll, we'll get into expected, it, yeah. predictable way. Ooh. Yeah, I, I will. I will warn. I'm gonna have to take on the role of wet blanket here a little bit. Just that's try okay. to try to okay, objectively right. present. Two the film. of me and a lady, and one of you. Yeah, so I mean, we'll I look. Well, look uh, there's the you know. There's also me, my personal reading, and then there's like me trying to present the how the movie was made, which we'll uh, discuss. Yes, everyone the, here personally reads this movie is gay for grandma. Yes, but like, there we go. Yeah, but, but we, like, ha- we have to. We have to well, try, again, try to will, figure out what's going and, on. And Dylan and I tried to watch the movie with like the "It's her grandma" goggles, which are it, hard it to keep falls on. Apart. I just need it, y'all it to know. Falls apart. Yeah. Okay. I, look, I, I will say. Um. I yeah. So I tried to rewatch like that. I think I understand what we're going for here so i'll present that i oh, do yeah, think I it's i do I really, think it's not as good like i do think it hurts i really the movie. had an epiphany like watching the movie i have a lot of opinions it'll be great, it's okay. great. yeah i'm excited and and i guess the reason why like like ultimately you know whatever if i were gonna rank all them but this would be ghibli movies this would be like third or fourth from the bottom or something you know like whatever but it, which is not saying it's in ghibli terms this is like still a great movie obviously but i think a big reason for that is that uh i i, I do ultimately doubt that they're going for as much of a romance as we interpret 
interpret it as. And so I think when you watch it like that, it's, it's a little more baffling to have this sort of twist at the end. Um, so I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's certainly one of the more striking different moves Ghibli's ever made. It does come from the book. Like this is all just from the book. Um, For real? But- which is the, most ridiculous thing that I mean like, I wonder what? how this reads on the page versus like just how visually mm. how carefully and lovingly they drew all these interactions and all the blushing yeah. and I think you I think you hit it I think you hit it already like I think the visual yeah. component makes this probably a lot more romantic than it seemed in the book all the blushing I don't um, know like I mean I don't know. It seems just are out a row that has to be like an important part of the yeah. book yeah I, I, I've, I mean I haven't extensively researched this but I've, I've seen at least a few people commenting they also interpret the book as romantic so i don't know and it's and you know maybe uh, right from the start right and it this this movie the book came out in 1967 you could interpret it as like a a repressed uh like sort of olden presentation of this and you have to have some sort of twist to make up for the fact that you can't be this can't be about a romance with two girls i don't know like Um, instead of it being like romantic love they have to make it like familial love right at the end yeah i think i think that's an interpretation i'm not sure about the the truth value that i've not read the book but um I certainly think you could at least look at right right at when the book came out and and start to put some pieces together if you want to look at it from that lens. Um, but okay, we can get into Anna, Anna and Marnie to to start with um, and and their potential romance. But just in general, regardless of the romantic uh, implications, I think that their dynamic is very strong and uh, their their scenes together are just brimming with. Uh, I don't. I don't like. It's hard to use adjectives without getting into uh, uh, like, romantic I think adjacent. Like passion, and it's not. Pa- I was, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to yeah, say. But I'm like, I don't like, know about that. But yeah. There's it's, a connection, and you can read that connection as familiar. But it's literally. It's like they're absurd. being drawn to each other. Yeah. Like when she first looks at the house, and she like almost feels it like pulling her by like this unseen force. And then Marnie just like runs up to meet her, even though they don't know who each other is yet. And she just like holds out her hand to take her off the boat. Like that kind of like energy is like pretty. Okay, it's I'm like sorry. I know from the beginning. I know we're not talking about it being gay, but that was the moment <laughs> where I was like, I have to take, <laughs> I have to take grandma goggles off. Like I was like, right? It's this. just like, like it, it. It's just. It's a very. It, it's it's very interesting to read that as just um, platonic like i don't know parental because like the charge like they're both the same age when marnie's introduced and it's like it's just this magical swelling moment of just excitement and just you don't quite know what's going on but like these two people are just like magnetically attracted to each other and like even without the context of doing what's going on like that seems pretty undeniable as you just watch it unfold in that moment yeah, I mean, I think like right from the start, Anna starts blushing at Marnie constantly. Yeah, literally, like, literally, like, literally like upon seeing her. So, it, so like, it really is right. And Mar- you know, Marnie doesn't come in until like thirty minutes, but we once literally the second she's there, Anna starts blushing, blushing yeah. notoriously in also, shows. Speaking to another human being. Meanwhile, we see yes. previously in, that she is like, I hate all humans, uh-huh. and also like, I mean, she got excited when. Um, no- the one she insults the one she oh, yeah no. i mean because she doesn't matter i guess it's nobuka she doesn't matter but like i mean thing is like you know she tries to talk to her but then she can tell but but then of course anna's like this is kind of fake i don't really like it and also like she just feels really weird and versus like she sees marnie and she's like oh my god can we just talk for like six hours like because she's like she doesn't she's a very quiet person like she doesn't want to talk she likes to do what she does and then like she just wants to sketch and she's just been sketching this house. And then she's like, oh, my God, there's this girl. 
and she wants mm-hmm. to talk to me and she's really pretty and she doesn't look like any of the other girls uh-huh. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous but like i mean legitimately though like it's just that immediate like at, Anna just changes like I mean it's very I mean she you know she starts to come out of her shell like obviously further into the movie but like I mean very I mean it's pretty rapid like this she's really excited someone's interested in her and they have very sim- like they, they live similar lives and and also literally every time Marnie touches her Anna freaks out like legitimately Mar- every yeah, time that's the thing too because it's not just that like isolation it's, it's not the isolation of like Anna just like blushing willy nilly it's like Marnie a lot of times like instigates a lot of like physical close contact with Marnie which is why a lot of the pushing also happens and it's like in that way like Marnie's kind of like taking the lead on like that side of it but well, that's but- also a layer to this well I mean literally okay they've literally been speaking to each other for like less than 30 seconds and Marnie puts her arm around yeah. Anna so they crouch down and Anna like flips out and like yeah. looks up at her and I'm like can y'all like calm down yeah okay. Like, <laughs> okay, I, I feel like I gotta like start going through this I had so many screencaps but like case in point they're on a boat having a romantic boat ride like in the middle of the night and Marty says like We've like we've got to keep this a secret. You're my you're, you're my you're secret. my precious secret. You're a key my line. Yeah. And then like later on, you can got we keep it. this? Can we keep this a secret forever? And they're like right? forever, and they hold hands. And I'm like, yeah. okay, because this is what's yeah. straight. We look okay. Do. We can we can continue to go through all that. Let me present two high level things here because we're getting okay. into the into right. the weeds. So first of all, it's like okay, why if you're why wouldn't you interpret this as romantic given the the you know, the joy in which we're talking about this. Uh, just, I, I, this is obvious, but like the end of the movie says that she's not a love interest. She's her grandma in a young form. So like, this is an obvious, like, <laughs> yeah. it's, I think it's pretty obvious yeah. why you might not interpret. Like the end of the movie seems to contradict a romantic reading earlier on. I think that at a very high level. Um, number two, here's a reason why you would interpret the, the most, other than subtext, the reason why you most would interpret their interactions as romantic uh, is uh, because, at least in a few scenes, Anna is liter- literally replacing yes! uh, her, gra- her, her grandpa, Kazuhiko, in the memories of Marnie that she recounts to, to Anna later. So Which it's makes like, no sense. If, it makes in, sense. Like, and that's why like, I, I'm very, like, I have so many questions about Ghibli, like, framing this the way they did, because, yeah, if if... if Anna's literally replacing, like, the male love interest of Marnie's actual life. I mean, that is literally the definition of queering a narrative. Because the literal academic definition of queering is to, to like, anything that's relatively opposite or, or opposed to a traditional normative reading of a text. So there's a lot of ways to queer stuff. It doesn't have to be explicitly like sexual or romantic but like in the case of like making it two girls performing all these actions with each other that if read straight would also read very (laughs) very romantic and if she's literally replacing a male love interest like that is that is explicitly queer that's why i say this is a queer text not subtext because that is literally in the movie they made that choice well i'm not saying it like the thing is, like, obviously, twi- like, you know, it's part of the narrative, it's part of the story. Twists are important. Yeah. But, like, there is, like, there is no way to figure out that it's her grandmother. Like, yeah, that's true. Until, that's like, true. literally, the, like, you can't figure that out. 
into like yeah there, there's like, one there's one moment when anna mentions like her grandma she lost her grandma too yeah like, like there there's is like literally a little one clue. moment and yeah. like and then like you have figured it out when uh hasiko like tells them because you're exactly. like it's anna but like yeah. you but even then you're like what why are, what are these things because it's ridiculous and then, like and you're then like anna gets the like the photo and she's like mommy like uh, yeah no it's, it's literally like, like this, okay so like my thing is like i'm not like i'm not trying to be like let's ignore the story but i mean literally like if you chop off the last 20 minutes of the movie they're like it's like it's like the gayest thing you've ever watched and like I'm not saying like the ending like worsens the movie like because I do think there's some really powerful messages in the movie of like Mm -hmm. dealing with trauma dealing with loss and then dealing with like you know she feels alone and this reconnection to her family and also like this very important person in her life and ultimately I mean the real I mean the one of the most powerful scenes in the movie is like Marnie's like will you forgive me and that's finally I mean letting go of this I mean this was I mean this was really impactful for me as someone who like my grandmother, I'm um, had like it was not a like my grandmother didn't die peacefully in her sleep. I had she was in hospice. And so it was one of those she missed important parts of my life. Like I was very upset my grandmother couldn't come to my high school graduation. That was extremely upsetting. I was mad about it. And you know, that sounds like that's so childish, so stupid, but like I mean that, you know, it's kind of like I mean, I held that against her. Like it was extremely upsetting to me. It meant a lot to me and she couldn't be there. And then to and then when she had passed away shortly after that and it's one of those like i really felt that when marnie was well marnie's like will you forgive me and you know it's really hard for anna but she's like i love you of course i'll forgive you but she hadn't it's been years and she hadn't forgiven her and i don't think and this isn't just like oh she forgot like this is literally like (laughs) like i don't like there's literally this you know part of dealing with this trauma i mean honestly anna's had a hard life like her life is not easy she's dealt with a lot and people don't understand like I mean, I understand that she was, like, two, but still, like, you deal with that, like, and it's also generational trauma that her, she's dealing with, and, and and even, there's even more of that tying in, like, she's different, because she's also, like, she's mixed. She's mixed, yeah. She's mixed, and they even, and they don't touch on that a lot, but it's there, like, they, they poke at it with, um, yeah. like, when she, like, finally, like, yells at that girl, but that's, like, this, there's a lot going on, and it's, Again, very interesting. And again, it's like, I don't want to be like, Ghibli, why'd you do this? Because like, I mean, visually they represented it very romantically, but it's also like, this is the plot of the book. And Mm. it's just like, there's a lot going on here. And I, and I definitely, I don't feel like it's like wrong to like interpret, but like, it's literally both. (laughs) Like, it's not, it's not even like reading into it. I'm like, they're gay. (laughs) This is ridiculous. I I don't think in this, I, in this, like, I, I hope this isn't super weird to say, but like, I, I think you really can have it both ways. I think you can see it as a touching, like, you know, culmination of like, Anna, like being okay with like, she finally knows her legacy better. Like, and she has like kind of developed a relationship with her grandma, just not in the way she expected. But also it's very gay at the same time. This is going to sound really stupid when I say it out loud, but like, I think y'all understand what I'm saying. This Yeah. like let's she's what 12 12 year old girl. yeah she's 12 and you know you get the opening scene of the movie everyone's talking about boys she's very androgynous mm-hmm. yeah she's very androgynous she's very androgynous i love her she's great and like there's just like imagine being a 12 year old girl and you're dealing with trauma and like it's kind of like a like okay it's literally a story but what i mean is like and this is more of a personal experience with me i tell a lot of stories in my head that aren't necessarily like 
you know, I'm never going to write them down, but it's like these ideas, dealing with things, processing things. But like you're a 12 year old girl and you're dealing with trauma. What do you know? You know, romance stories, you're a 12 year old girl. You're supposed to fall in love with a boy. And it's kind of this dealing with trauma about her grandmother. And it's a romance story because that's kind of how 12 year old girls think. Like, I don't like, like in this kind of like societal, like, like it makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, this kind of like, she's dealing with this trauma in this kind of like imaginary way, but like, and I guess I'm getting more into it that it's like, this is all in her head. There's not really any magic, which we're not even getting, like, we're not even getting to the fact, like, sure, maybe it's a magical house. I don't know. She's a ghost. It's a ghost I don't story. Know. I mean, it's just, but, like, literally, though, I mean, but in, like, the literal idea that, like, Marnie is, you know, is deeply affected by the death of her grandmother. She feels very alone. She's feeling very disconnected from her family. And the only family that she ever felt close to died. And she was left her alone. And this, you know, and she's dealing with that in this very understandable adolescent way, like this kind of love story and like reconnection and like figure like who wouldn't want like, you know, this kind of attention from anyone that she's getting from Marnie in this like in this movie. And so there's a lot there's I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of things at play. But that's what I mean. Like, I mean, be your 12 year old girl and you write a story and it's like, oh, yeah, she like I, you know, having all this stuff. But then like actually at the end dealing with the trauma and like it's her grandmother like does that make sense what i'm saying like it's kind of like literally dealing with this trauma and kind of like the most 12 year old way you can i will say though like i i agree with a lot of that delaney thought those were really good points i don't think that her um the her her like foster mom who yoriko i think Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah who she refers to as auntie throughout the movie like i don't think it's that she doesn't like love and appreciate Yoriko as like essentially her mother figure I think it's just like in the past few years it seems like when she found out about the money like that started distancing her from her That's foster upsetting. family it is very upsetting like when you don't understand yeah and they don't talk about it so you're like are they ashamed of me are they ashamed of the money like is it like is something wrong with me because like I think Yoriko says early on to the doctor she's like kind of confiding in him because the husband's away and she's like worried about her kid she's like yeah she used to be like a lot more like like happy and like outgoing but like recently like i don't know what happened and i think like what happened depressed get her medicine yeah yeah, she's depressed but uh, she has asthma but also i think it's like the mom the mom is like worried she just like doesn't know what what the issue is and like (laughs) yeah it's a lot but i like an asthma attack she had a panic attack was it a panic? I thought she had. Yeah, okay. Like, well, yeah. This, this is dealer, yeah. Though, right. This is we're hitting on all of our main topics here. I think kind of this potentially codifying asthma as depression as asthma, or maybe it's both. I think you could see it both ways. Um, I think. Did I think. Was that not real? Well, no, I think the, well, how I read, my thing is like one, now as someone who has panic disorder and asthma, I'm now an oh, okay. expert. I know I'm, I'm just I'm literally like for me like one both times I watched like and, and well the doctor even said like asthma attacks can be brought on by stress the answer could That's be yes true. in that it's both an asthma attack and panic attack but then also like what's happening to her is not how asthma attacks like really work like it's like to me and again I one both are valid like the, literally the doctor's like you have asthma but you didn't know she had asthma at that point like it very much yeah. looks like a panic attack yeah um the uh, regardless of the specific incident right. i think it's like she she's being sent to the the country probably more because she's depressed than because she has asthma even though that's well, like how sure, they're presenting right? it because i i did roll my eyes when the doctor said like oh yeah put her in the country that'll fix her i'm like that doesn't fix 
asthma? What? But it would maybe help with depression. So that actually makes a lot right. more sense. Like, so I think that's kind of the main point. I will in. say okay. in the time period that this is supposed to be set in, it's like when you have tuberculosis or asthma, they're like, just go, go out here where the air is better. <laughs> go where the air is yeah. better. It doesn't little, actually do anything. But... A little unclear if it's supposed to be set in the 60s in the movie. Um, yeah. The clothes are kind of timeless except for Marnie's, which are clearly dated. So it's hard to yeah, tell. I don't think yeah. they really say. We do know the book does take place in England, much like Arietti, they move it to Japan for... Uh, for the movie um the so yeah we're we're, we're kind of hitting on all of our main points that's that's we can have this sort of fluid discussion i think this this is hard to talk about just because it's like there's no like right and wrong to almost anything with this movie because everything's very like ethereal um yes. even like what's everything that's happening like the plot like i like what it what and what is marnie ultimately is she a ghost is it all in on his head is like nothing really is like presented definitively um and we even get like this okay. fever dream at the end we have fever dream, but also I the artist woman, um, Hasiko, yeah, she she said like um when Anna's talking to her towards the end of the movie, she says like, Oh, you've seen Martin like she like yeah. knows it. So that kind of applies maybe know. she's seen her too as a ghost because she hangs out by the house and Marnie can only manifest as a ghost around the house because she says she can't yeah, go she far away. That, yeah. So yeah. I think she, I think she I think other people have seen her too. Yeah. I mean that is that is certainly Well, possible. even Toicho at the end, he's yeah. like, Oh girl who and I was like, Bro, you seen a ghost that's why you don't talk oh my god yeah i guess that would lean like a quiet guy too like that's why anna gets along with him they're both quiet spirits (laughs) that'd be too long ago uh, for him to have seen it really yeah I guess. He's, he's not that yeah. old yeah okay um yeah i think let me let me present the uh what i think the movie is going for with the and and michelle's like i i, I read the movie as both gay and has like an emotional like uh grandma that like thing and i like i yes. i personally i do that as well like i'm able to process both of these things in the movie i think a lot of people uh, view it as contradictory because um i think like I feel like it's a little obvious why one might view it as contradictory because you know if she's she can't be girlfriend if she's grandma at the end right like, I mean uh, why not she's a ghost uh, but to be fair also ghost. Anna doesn't know it's her grandmother until the end of the movie <laughs> I yeah, think like, that's yeah. true too you know? so, and I think like I think about how Anna like like Blaine was saying like the fact that she looks so androgynous I feel like that immediately caught my attention in the poster even because like Marnie has this long like golden lock hair and this flowy dress and then Anna just really has like this really short haircut and just like super loose, comfortable clothing that doesn't like, (laughs) you know, accentuate any part of her body at all. And she, she feels like, I feel like she takes on such a protective role with Marnie later in the movie too, like, which feels like can be read as a little more masculine. I feel like Anna's completely comfortable and willing to step into that role for Marnie because they're, they feel like they're protecting each other. And that's just like, to, if anything, I feel like this just shows that Anna herself is very queer, you know, well, regardless well, of thing. grandma stuff. This is kind of the telling thing is that like Anna's like the prototypical like Ghibli boy. Like that's yes! that's who Anna is. And like and that's probably why she's my favorite. Like she yes. like she's like she's literally like if this was a different Ghibli movie, she would be a boy. Like it's mm-hmm. she's just like the Ghibli boy. I was yeah. thinking that too, um, I, which made me so happy that she's not a boy. Because again, it's like the, there there are so many interesting choices that were made in <laughs> this movie. I mean, well, it's I very don't similar to Only Yesterday, also. I mean, I feel like this was so much more intentional, though. And I say that just in terms of, like, dialogue, time spent, and scenes accumulated. And, like, in a weird way, I wonder if, like... I mean, it's one thing for... And I don't know what they've said after this movie came out, but, like, 
I have to think some of the people on staff, like maybe in their heart of hearts, like wanted to really hype up this romance and their connection and just lean hard into that with the safety net of knowing, well, she's a ghost and a grandma. So it's not like anyone can really tell us it's gay. So like, why not go all ham for the first 45 minutes? Because that kind of feels like what they did. And I think that's like... Very interesting for Ghibli. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about intent behind Ghibli. Where we, we're, the series is kind of covering uh, Ghibli. We're trying to get into that, and th- this, you know, we're mostly trying to get into that of Miyazaki and Takahata. So here we're in uh, not in that territory. Um, yeah. Uh, I, my my reading. Delaney basically said this. I'll phrase it. Say it again. My reading of like what they're going for with the twist at the end is this movie's all about Anna gaining intimacy and like human connections, which she's like lacks in her life through this rediscovering of her original intimate relationship in her life uh, with her grandma and the stories she told her. Um, so, so like, I, and I think, I think you can see that and you totally. can, you can see it as gay within that. Like, I think like we were talking about, it could be both, but I definitely think this is like the main thing that we're going for overall with the movie, regardless of interpretations of romantic or not. Let, let's look at this through the lens. Like we have been of, uh, why this, we, you might interpret this as, be, as being gay. Um, first of all, I see no indication that, uh, you know, I mean, there's not a lot of reading out there about this movie. It's a recent movie, but uh, I, I don't see any indication. Yonobayashi or the book or the book's author. I haven't seen quotes from any of them indicating that this is supposed to be romantic, um, unfortunately. And I do think given that and the twist at the end, which at least in a overall level would negate kind of this romantic reading from before in some interpretations. I, I would, I would certainly say at a high level, they're not trying to tell a queer love story here. I don't think that's really a hot take. Like, I mean, yet I know we interpret it like that. Yet, so well. yet, yet, yet. <laughs> yes. So, so that being said, a lot of us read it like this. Um, I will say I was trying to find like sources to talk like uh, scholarly sources to talk about the romance here. And most reviews don't mention a romance of this movie. I mean, it's a more recent movie. Um, And so you go through the history of Studio Ghibli, which we have on this series. There's no queer romances. There's almost no queer characters. I'll present you the two times I've found queer characters in Ghibli. And it's is it both... Ursula and Ursula? No, the uh, <laughs> the times I've I've uh, and they're both in Takahata movies, which very minor characters. And only yesterday we talked about how potentially her middle sister is yeah. is crushing on a actress. That's up for interpretation. And then in Pompoko, we b- briefly see two women together with a child. You could interpret them as two moms. Those are the two times we've went through the whole Ghibli catalog. Those are the two times anything remotely explicitly queer before this movie has happened in Ghibli. Um, very uh, unfortunate. I mean, we talked about how Ghibli does not have a lot of uh, racial, does not have a lot of as an understatement, racial diversity in its films. Um, I believe we've gone through the whole Ghibli catalog and I never once saw a black person. Um, and then, uh, we don't really see any queer people either in Studio Ghibli films. Now we get to this movie. Uh, a lot of us are primed to view, to, primed to be looking for queer romances. Um, I, that's the thing. We're not primed. That's why it's such a shock. I think that's why you guys probably. I'm just saying who, who we are as people versus who out. the listener right. be. Oh, okay. Know? Like that's okay. kind of what I'm trying to say. Like we, we, we cover a lot of like a queer romances and animation so we we're more uh, likely to to be on the lookout for this i, I want to bring in the, the uh, an article uh, from cbr uh the entitled when marnie was there ghibli's final film was almost a queer classic uh by anthony Grim- grimuglia 
Um, he, he brings up some uh, points, of a good summary of what we've been saying. Basically, he says about their intimacy, the two become immediately close, through the nat- though the nature of their relationship isn't clear until the very end of the film, which might lead viewers on their first watch to wonder, is Anna realizing she's gay? Ma- uh, Marnie and Anna are very physically intimate throughout the film, often holding hands and holding each other in comforting ways. Even the poster of the film shows them with their hands held back to back, a position that, were they members of the opposite gender, would immediately indicate to audiences that they'd be the romantic pair of this film. Mm-hmm. They have more, f- they have more physical contact than Sophie and Howell, Ashitaka and San, mm-hmm. or Chihiro and Haku. Even if even if nothing came of the building relationship in terms of romantic romantic attraction, there are enough undertones and implications to at least create subtext. So Michelle mentioned subtext earlier, kind of like it's more than subtext. I will say subtext is implies like intent, implies like a real thing in the film. So I think saying there's subtext here is like a, a real thing. Like like it's not like they're not saying I love you. They're, they do say I love you. They're not they saying they say I love you several four times. Four times. They're not they're not like dating, but sub there's like. Uh, actual clear like things you're reading beneath like the literal interpretation of like oh it's grandma at the end like exactly uh, and again like it goes from just subtext to being text because she's literally replacing kazuhiko in a lot yes, of these I, I, I would say that's the one that's moment it when it's kind line. of text i in general i, d- it's also I, I like- will say in general i don't agree with michelle that this is like text of the f- i don't think that they're trying to make a like i i don't like it but i don't think that they're trying to make a well i will here. say there's a I difference do, like, between intentional text and like that's true, text that's true. That viewers, well, my thing like, is like play. again like if you chop off the last 20 minutes of this movie it's the gayest thing you've ever watched <laughs> yeah. and like again i'm not saying that like like the ending matters. It's gay for grandma. Yeah. That's what this movie is. But like, <laughs> like, but like, that's the thing though. Like when we talk about text and subtext, like if you're watching this movie for the first time, you don't know that it's her grandmother. It is the so gay. Like you were like, this is the prototypical Ghibli romance. That's what's happening. Like it's ridiculous. And then you just get to the end and it happens to be your grandmother, which makes no sense. <laughs> so it's one of those, like, it's a very jarring experience. And I think that's why a lot of this queer reading is extremely valid, not yeah. only in just the representation, but like the nature of the twist, like, you know, twists are great. I mean, narratively, this twist is extremely weak because it makes no sense. Cause like, I like, and you know, and I like, I love this movie. I mean, but there are like twists were like, you know, one shocking. It works. Cause it's shocking. You're you have there. How are you going to guess that? It's no one was going to guess that. What, what a twist. But like, but the, and I understand it's based off a novel. This isn't like at Ghibli. Like this is based on a book. This is the literal, what happens in the book, but to have this story, there are, there is literally no indication until Hasiko just tells them. And you're like, Oh, Anna was adopted. Oh my God. And even then, like, I don't even know if you could draw that conclusion other than to me, it was super obvious about the foreshadowing because I knew the ending of the movie. I don't know how obvious that is. Like, I didn't get that on the first watch, but I was also blindsided by how gay this movie was the first time I watched it. And so it's one of those, like, and even now, like, even now in 2020, having consumed so much queer, and I mean queer media, I don't mean subtext, I don't mean, oh my God, I wish these two characters would get together. I mean queer media where you have two women getting together and they love each other. I've had, I have watched three shows and they're gay, actually legitimately gay. And then to go back and watch this movie, I was blindsided by how gay it was. Like I've been telling several people, I was like, 
I was like, I didn't remember how gay, like, I was like, I'm going to be like, LOL, yeah, they're a little gay. No, <laughs> like, it's in your face. And so it's one of those, like, and I'm sure there's going to be people who are like, I don't agree with this. Like, I don't get why you think it's gay. Like, that's fine. Your straight goggles are permanently affixed to your face. I can't fix that. But like, I mean, it even then like thinking about your own intimate relationships with other people, like the way they act around each other is not <sighs> normal. And like, and I don't mean normal in like a bad way. I just mean like, this is not how you, like, this is not how I would interact with my sister, like at all. Yeah. And it's just one of, it's very interesting. And that's just what I'm like, when we talk about text and subtext, like it's really, this is a really interesting thing because it's not like, you know, Carmilla is a good example. The novella Carmilla, which has now been created, recreated as a queer media. Like there's subtext in Carmilla. It's a lesbian vampire. That's subtext. But you know the whole time that she's a vampire and like there's no weird twist in Carmilla. But then you get to I mean the twist is like the twist is you figure out she's a vampire, but that's that doesn't have any relationship between like why they're so weird with each other. But then here it's like, what's going on? This plays like a love story. I mean, like what Michelle said, like every like look, if there's a boat and they're in the middle of a lake or they're flying and the moon's out, gay. Like that or not even just gay, that's romantic. Like, like that's in literally yeah. every like if you were to make a list of like the top five romantic scenes, like they would include like a boat ride under the moon flying in the moonlight or like, you know, yeah. all of these things. And so, so I... that's just like, it's so subtext text. And then like, but the tw- nature of the twist is like, it's hard to, I mean, it's a twist, but it's also like, it's like getting to the end and you're like, why did this happen? This has nothing to do with the rest of the story. They tie it in well, just because of like how tragic both of their lives are. Yeah, so uh, what you said about, like, you reading certain scenes, like, this is what I liked, uh, Grimigula's point about how, like, right. the poster, you if these if these were a boy and a girl, That's you'd interpret thing, like, this as romantic. Like, literally, and, if Anna was a boy, if she was the Ghibli boy, you, everyone would be like, this right. is the but, most beautiful so, romance I've ever watched. So I think I think that that is clear that there's, if if this is a boy and a girl, this is Ghibli's most romantic movie other, other than yeah. maybe uh, uh, The Wind Rises, right? Like this is like this is clear. But here's here's what I want to say. And, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm being wet blanket here. Ghibli, you, you say like this is like the prototypical Ghibli couple. I think the part of the prototypical Ghibli couple is heteronormativity. Like I think oh, it, it is, is that it's you. a boy That's and a girl. I agree with you. So the fact that they are two girls innately makes it different and is innately right. making it different how Studio Ghibli, run by old men, is going to yes. present well, this this romance. This um, is also really important, Like, and I've been wanting to bring this up for a while in uh, some of our other discussions. Like, you know, Miyazaki, we're talking about, and this isn't a Miyazaki film, but we're talking about Studio Ghibli overall. Environmentalism, great. Like, all of this stuff, war is bad. But we're talking about <laughs> Japan. And Japan, right now, still... Well, I, I don't know, like, I mean, we talk about this a lot in anime, too. Like, there is <laughs> the likelihood of, like, a big-budget film succeeding in Japan about two queer girls is, like, zero. Like, that's not happening because that's not a thing. That's not okay. And, like, Studio Ghibli would would have been ruined if they had made a film like this in, and it had actually been queer. Like, that's I, actually, just- I actually think Studio Ghibli is maybe the one studio that actually could do a, a queer story. Now, like they, now, they have, they now. have the well, power. Yeah, they have no. Even before, yeah. I think they they have the independence and the power. And the fact that they weren't really pushing boundaries, I think, is a valid criticism of them. Like uh, they're the only type of studio that would make a, a sort of out there movie, and they do with their environmental and their feminism. And, right. Um, but then, but then it's inter- like we talked about the racial diversity. Like this is very much 
you know, Japanese movies for Japanese people. And obviously yes. everyone loves these movies, but that's what these are. They're very yes. culturally homogenous, which is why, you know, that's why this movie exists. Like this is why they looked at this book and we're like, oh, this is great. They're just gal pals and she's yeah, best it, friends with her grandmother. Isn't that adorable? Right. So the, the line is completely right. Dance and so we need we need to keep in mind <laughs> okay, that, that was another good one. Michelle. They do, yes. Um, and again, that's another replacing. Uh, uh, I mean, I guess not. I guess that's not a direct and then Anna replacing. Gets no, she, of she, her no like, okay, she, she dances here, with the flower girl in real life when here, she's young. Here's here's the thing though. Like I was I was like having so many yes moments with Delaney because like I too like I was really curious on rewatching this if I was going to read it as gay as I did the first time because we have had so much more canonically explicit at least queer content especially in the animation realm in the past like five years you know and that's a big deal but like in a way i feel like the the normalization of all that queerness as like real (laughs) made it easier to see this for what it feels like it is the second time watching it and i didn't have to struggle as much like interpreting how i actually felt about it because like it feels a little more normal that two girls could be in love you know and just like it's just there there are so many things that feel so weirdly intentional, like the fact that Anna is so androgynous and doesn't look like literally any other young girl in the movie, or the fact that they keep like they frame their relationship immediately as a secret. And it's like a promise that they will be each other's secret. Like that feels like a very kind of queer coded thing to do. And, like, the fact that she does get jealous of the boy at the dance, so she dances with her separately to make her feel better. Like, that's literally, like, I don't know, it reminds me of, like, in the finale of Korra when, like, they had that handhold at the wedding and that was intentionally meant to be, like, the same thing for Korasami. It's, like, it's supposed to be right as romantic because if you if you take off your hetero goggles, like, it's the same explicit action. So why why wouldn't you think that? you know, in a perfect world. So it's like, it's like the sprinkling of all that stuff on top of it that also just really pushes it to be hard to not feel so strongly reading it the way we are right now, at least in yeah, my opinion. Yeah. Look, and I get that from you guys. I think certainly we've gotten that we feel strongly about this. Uh, for us, for us, it feels that way. I think this movie presents the biggest cultural disconnect we've encountered, even more so than like, uh, Takahata's weird movies that are hard for us to culturally parse the the Yamadas and Pompoka like this movie is the biggest is such a big cultural disconnect because it's not intended to be queer by the people at a high level making it and Japan is largely not watching this movie thinking this is a queer romance and I, it, it like, is- I, I think that's all that's kind of tough to say though because like it's not like there aren't queer people in Japan. Of course, of course. Just, of course. You know? The fact that Michelle, like, the fact of like, the matter is, like, you Google <laughs> Marnie queer, and like, we're we're some of the only people to talk about this movie. And, like, like this. we're very bubbled like, in this in this and, reading of and this. And again, movie. like culturally, we're talking. I mean, there, you know, we're very lucky here in the United States. I mean, we were later than a lot of countries, but like, you know, c- Japan is one of those countries where like. I, I mean, I, me and my wife like to travel. Me and my wife do not feel safe going to Japan as two women who are queer and married. Like, this is very much like it's mm. there. I mean, it, it, there are laws. There are, it is very not okay to be gay in Japan. And, and that's one of those things that like, I'm not like, it's just, I mean, obviously there are queer people in Japan. There are people suffering. I mean, and well, even we talk about all the feminism in these films, Japan is yeah. also very much still an anti-feminist society. Like, Women who do work, women who are not married. Um, it, I mean, it's still very much this. Your entire economy is based off 
getting married young, having a successful career, but women's take take care of the children at home. Their entire economy is based on that. And that, you know, there's still a lot, like still yeah, a lot. In, of, in, like, so, in some ways, for sure. Japan, of course, I, I think it's better now. I think in Tokyo, it's it, you're generally right. Of course. And that's with, like, so. with the, that's with everything. But I mean, I will say there's been a lot of articles coming out, especially recently with the pandemic, dealing with a lot of these issues. And as as so much of like how much we catapult a lot of animation and things that come out of Japan, there are still a lot of like there's a big cultural divide between the media we consume here and the media that is in and comes out of Japan. Yeah, of course. And uh, definitely a big cultural divide in terms of like this this notion of Japan being less feminist. And, and I don't want to paint, paint Japan as this very conservative well, place no, in the United but, States. Yeah, that's very progressive place. In terms of feminism, like Nausicaa came out like in 1980 Maybe. and we, we, well, still, and we just, still would not right. have a, like a movie right. in America come out with well, that I just like, type about, of I mean, Like you were saying. Ghibli is very independent. I'm just talking about like literally legally, like none of these things are are really like represented in Japan. Yeah, I mean, like you know, like gay, gay marriage. Other than that, it's not a lot of legal uh, matters. And in, in, but yeah, it's it's certainly like the, the, we have to understand. There's there's generally a conservative cultural context. Um, yes. And so a lot. Of, I wonder if a lot of people listening to this, as I'm trying to present this, as kind of like a more objective going through the Ghibli movies, are like, what are you guys really talking about? Like, obviously, I think someone can listen to this and say, like, I kind of read it romantically. I understand why you would, but I think it's just not what the movie is like supposed to be about. And I think that that is probably what a lot of people think of the movie. And I think the reason they might approach it from that is just because this is a Studio Ghibli movie. There's not gay people in Studio Ghibli movies. There's not a lot of queer representation coming out of of Japan, especially from. Um, and like not certain types of animes i guess but uh like so it, ju- it just you know i think it's it's definitely necessary to present like uh that that's that that's like um the context of the movie being made and it comes from the book and it's it's maybe a similar thing in the book probably it's more like going back to the beginning it's probably more uh present because of the visual nature of of their relationship i think um they certainly make independent choices and i will say that the point be that uh maybe some of the artists making this movie did want to present it as romance that's very possible i think yeah, that happens I, a lot in america i wonder i wonder about that a lot because you like, see it, all the it, blushing like it's it's yeah. hard like maybe yeah and, and like in a way i even wonder if it's like they they were able to channel like some more kind of heterosexual context into their relationship in the ways that it is romantic because of the way they present Marnie and the way they present Anna, just in terms of like how they physically look and how they act with each other. Cause again, like Anna being very protective of Marnie and like she puts the coat on her and then you like literally see like the grandpa. That, that's, I the think same that's thing. one of the Yeah. The, and then again, like the dancing with each other, like first she danced with him and then she danced with her. It, it's like such a clear visual mirroring of yeah, the uh, same Other than act. the like I love you's and those lines they say, yeah. all of it is really visual. Yeah, which which is nice, I think. Like, I think you know, it's, it's really re- it's refreshing wonderful. for us watching it. Yeah, and I'm here for it. It's just so it's so it's so interesting, and that's why, like I say, like I feel like those two things can still coexist. I think in, in our honest, brains, yeah, yeah. In a way, like I was kind of hopeful that you know maybe like even, you know grandma is literally a ghost and also her grandma, so that's like obviously not going to be a long term thing. But like, there's Sayaka. I mean, she's developed a new friendship with this girl who's like alive and around her age <laughs> and like maybe she can continue Important being clear with her you know i feel like there is still hope for her later in life to just like be comfortable doing these things because there was something delaney was saying about how like 
you know, maybe part of like Anna's attraction to Marnie initially, besides just like them having this clear kinetic like energy for each other, is that Marnie's just really nice to her and she she like treats her with so much genuine love and kindness in a way that like a lot of her peers don't seem to and I feel like in a way that's like allowing Anna to like express these feelings of genuine love um you know romantically because like she was given the option and she rose to the occasion I feel like maybe that's how a lot of queer kids are it's like oh I didn't know like you know this could be a thing but we're doing it and it feels nice and like okay I'm just gonna go with it so now that she knows that Marnie's her grandma like yeah, she still has other, like, gal friends that, like, she can continue to grow and learn about herself with. And, like, that's, like, the layer of this that I could have this time on top of just, like, you know, because, like, the first time you watch it's such a, you're just so hung up on the twist. But at this point, I just, like, I hope that Anna can, like, you know, continue being who she is and be comfortable and just, like, you know, there's girls out there for her if she wants them. (laughs) Yeah, I think if you want to interpret this movie as queer and then also like not discount the ending, then it's like, oh, maybe this ghost girl turned out to be grandma, but this is Anna's, this yeah, is Anna's like gay awakening, and now she'll, you know, she knows of this about herself. Like that would be like the fun oh. interpretation. Yeah, the, 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 to wrap up, like I think we've talked about this in this framing. I'm so, I'm, I wanted to work this in earlier, but I, we talked about this in this framing for these ambiguous Miyazaki romances, which he doesn't present very overtly. But yeah. this is romantic or not, it's intimacy that is being shown like i think we've made that argument for for other couples and uh this one i do think ignoring the heteronormativity which uh like is impossible i think for ghibli films but like if you can like i do like this one is more uh is more romantically charged than previous ones there's more physical contact as that quote talked about like i think it's that's a very good there's very good points there um but it's a presentation of intimacy akin to other kind of sort of these like, romantic look, relationships romantic, we don't, this is romantic. right like the, yeah, the, the exactly. two kids in ponyo like most most uh miyazaki quote-unquote couples that aren't in wind rises he's presenting as mm-hmm. uh and and i guess not sophie and howell anything pre pre howells right like it, it, it's yeah. it feels it's it's more of a presentation of human intimacy than a specific presentation of romance i think if you want to like be able to look at it from that lens i think it's more satisfying um it's hard like obviously this it's very challenging to a movie to interpret it but i i do think like t- to me like the, the the common ground we have like i said there's a big disconnect between the the way this movie's made the way we're interpreting it i think the common ground is is intimacy it's just like we're reading it in a romantic intimacy the movie's intending it as some sort of ambiguous i don't know intimacy it's weird <laughs> but uh one thing I did really like is that it's not just about like the blushing and the there's there, there's so much that just reads romantic, but also just like they y- you believe their relationship in terms of their closeness because they both like are able to open up about each other's lives um, and they find support like actual emotional and physical support from each other in expressing their real concerns and their real fears and the thing like they they say they're jealous of each other because they both like acknowledge that they their lives aren't perfect and they have a lot of things that they feel ashamed or frustrated about or even the fact that like Marnie's able to you know she shows her the picture like she's been hiding her art from everyone in this movie the whole time and the fact that Marnie's like that one person she's willing to share it with and and is actually like kind of happy to do it once like she like gets like once Marnie says like oh like no one's ever drawn me before you're like pretty good though like I think moments like that make it 
grounded in a sense of like realness that isn't just about romance because any real romance that's good isn't just about like being in love for the sake right, of like it's based on this space. intimacy at its yeah. yeah and i yeah. feel like they they get that too which is like a very, I will say, very Ghibli kind of relationship. I, I agree. I think the what the, what I'd bring in here is that we get the two I love yous we of the of the four <laughs> we get are uh, when first like Anna's like uh, bearing her soul and like upset yeah. and crying, and then Marnie comforts her, and then we get the reversal, and which they like say very bluntly. There's a lot of blunt uh, lines in the movie, but like Marnie's I love like you the uh, most too. Yeah, she like and and then they then then she comforts her. That's kind of their sharing of e- of each other. Uh, yeah. Very much feels like. Like to me, like I agree, a lot of Ghibli romances I talked about in this in Earthsea with uh, with uh, Teru and Aaron. Like I like this 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 kind of a lot of Ghibli romances do seem founded in this 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 sharing of intimate like uh, parts of their life. And um, you know, I, I think I think this plays very well into that lineage. It's a good argument, honestly, for it being romantic because I do think you you interpret a lot of those couples as romantic. Um, but, uh, you know, the, what, what the core of, of what's behind them is, is almost more important in some ways. Um, and going back to the, to the ending a little bit, I mean, we obviously talked about it a lot. Um, here, here's what, uh, Grimugula has to say about, uh, readings of the ending. He says, once you know the ending, it completely alters the type of film it is on first watch. When Marnie was there appears to be a story of Anna learning about her identity in the present sense. Upon rewatch, it's clear that it's about Anna learning who she was leading up until now in order to know who she will be going forward. The entire lens Mm. of the narrative is fixated on a different aspect of Anna's life. It's just coincidental that the story structure otherwise resembles a romantic coming of age story. So that's his interpretation at the end it's coincidental we've you know debated this um i i do think a lot of it is a little coincidental but i think ultimately it's just like readings of intimacy would be what i say like i said like i think if they're specifically presenting intense intimacy so it's like that in- inherently engenders different uh i think uh interpretations along with the fact that they're the different cultural contexts well i mean it's like i mean learning. it's about learning to love people and yeah in all kinds because- of ways she's pushed away everyone before this this happens and i mean is that like necessarily the best opening not necessarily because it kind of seems earned and also being 12 is hard (laughs) and um you know she's she's you know holding this against um yoriko and then she's not really and then she's overwhelmed with kindness by the uh, who we haven't talked about is the oas and they are the kindest human beings yes. who have ever existed. And they they're are so parent good. goals and they are yes. so great. And they like, she's are. overwhelmed. Like she's like, they're so great. And she's like, Oh, what am I supposed to do with these people being nice to me? I can't be a butt. Like they're like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> and, and then, you know, she's, you know, starts to, and she like really, you know, like Michelle had said, you know, finds a kindred spirit in Toicho. And I'm sorry, I'm slaughtering these names. Um, Oi was Toichi. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine. I just suck. I'm sorry. A lot of uh, Japanese names here. It's, okay. it's fine. Yeah. And I will say I, I watched the dub because I mistakenly downloaded the dub instead of the sub. And I actually really enjoyed the dub, but um yeah, I've I've I've, just, I've seen the dub. I love the uh, dub's really good. The, the dub has Haley Steinfeld and Kiernan Shipka as the the two the two leads, which uh, oh. I love. Amaze, That's yeah. Cool. But like, it's very much about learning to love people, and you know, we get to the end, and she like calls Yoriko her mom. That's a big deal. Yeah, big that's deal. a big deal. And this is all about you know, like you know, 
and it is i definitely do think like there's a lot of like depression going on in this movie and just you know learning to love herself and to love those things that you know even in the beginning of the movie it's like wow she's like i hate myself and this is why and it's like girl can you like go to therapy please <laughs> and so but, the, but then legitimately you know and also you know finding that out like she's mixed dealing with the fact yeah. that she's mixed and you know, living in this very much, there aren't people like her where she is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this, all this reconnecting with like other people and people who, you know, care about her because I mean, she was not having a good time at school. And, and again, this also still definitely has some of that Miyazaki, like go to the countryside, cities suck, everything's terrible. So there's a lot of that going on, but it's, it's all about like learning to love people and letting people love you. Yeah. yeah, letting people love you too. That's such a good point. I I agree. the The Oyas are like such gold. Like I right. love that their house looks like they build it themselves. It's so eclectic. It's so full of like random things. Like they're very artistic people. He, he carves and, owl yeah. statues. And yeah, in every and moment, her, she's gonna so beat herself much. up. Like, she's like, oh, my God, I ruined this yukata. Oh, my God, I did this. I'm and a terrible they, kid. They're they, like, bro, they're you totally fine. chill. Like, I love that they just let her do whatever. Like, not let her do whatever she wants. But, like, they give her the freedom to just go out and draw. Like, they don't make her do chores. Like, yeah. they, they don't get mad when she's home late. They defend her when the neighbor's really upset. They wash the dress. Like, no questions asked. Like, they just, they, they trust and give her so much freedom. Because they seem to understand that, like, that's the kind of person she is. And that's what she needs to. To relax on her own that they well, they're they like she's eating her. fine she's fine yeah, yeah like as long as she's like eating and like do like alive like that's good it's like wow that is like the most amazing parent perspective to have yeah um i, I want to bring in talking about uh generally what anna's uh, arc which i think is one of the stronger aspects uh, of the yes. film um there's bring in colin odell and michelle leblanc from studio ghibli the films of Hayao Miyazaki and isa takata they say about the spiritual journey that anna goes through uh the narrative is designed to tread a fine line between fantasy and reality the world anna inhabits is very real and remains so but throughout the film we are given indications that marnie may or may not be real even though as an audience we want her to be real because we witness the positive impact she has on anna but the Despite this friendship, the the first friendship that may or may not be real, it is real enough as far as Anna's concerned and marks a spiritual journey. More importantly, she develops a sense of self-esteem, and this gives her the opportunity to form real friendships. The revelation that Marnie was Anna's grandmother gives Anna a sense of identity that she has never previously had, having been adopted at the age of two. The Japanese title of the film literally translate, translates as Marnie of Memories, a fitting oh. name, a fitting name that sees Anna that sees Anna through her friendship with Marnie coming to terms with the changes in her life, accepting her. Her past and learning to be part of a community. Um, I think a, a decent summing up of Anna, the arc that Anna goes in through through the movie, and uh, I think um, it, it 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 permeates uh, the the, the uh, her interactions with Marnie and how that impacts her. Um, we we talked about the uh, this depression that she has. She also seems to have the self hatred. Um, they talked about her gaining self esteem and this kind of like for me very present this disconnect from the kids her age in the beginning of the movie. She's like, there's two types of people. Like she does one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and then uh, and so she's learning to like like they say be part of a community in terms of like i feel like get gaining like intimacy towards those around her being able to be to which i, I don't know I, I i find it to be like very relatable kind of what anna goes through like feeling different from from people growing up um not having the highest self-esteem um like feeling you know like feeling disconnected not being the happiest i think it's like and you guys have mentioned it's a presentation 
of this type of uh, heroin that were really uh, not Never used really to see in this. Ghibli yeah. or in media in general. To me, the closest thing is, I think, Kiki. I think Kiki goes yeah. through a little bit of a similar arc yeah. then to Anna. Um, Anna is more overt. I think Kiki is yeah. uh, more surrounded by whimsy. Uh, with Anna, it's like more clear she's depressed. It's more clear, like she's like, I hate, you know, I hate myself. Like, you know, Kiki's not that explicit and stuff. But the, I think the disconnect between kids her age, I really feel that with Kiki and with, with Anna. Um, the, you know, the scene in Kiki when she's just like, I don't want to go with these, uh, with these other people, um, when they're by the blimp. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think, uh, Anna's arc really is, is a good foundation of the movie. And, um, then it ties together with her, like discovering her past and, uh, that propping her up and stuff. Um, I, I, I think, I do think it's strong in terms of the ending of the movie. I think like, uh, it's it's like frustrating because uh it's it's uh it seems contradictory with my reading of earlier in the movie it's also very emotional and well presented though i think we've talked about that um like uh, the, every, all the scenes with the flashbacks with the grandma it's 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 a really gorgeous ending it's a little complicated um but ultimately i think it it wins out uh, yeah i don't you know. think well, it's I so think... complicated yeah, I don't think it's, like, so complicated that it, like, ruins anything. It just, like, adds extra layers that you then have to parse through to make sense it's of a t- everything It's a tough together. parsing, but yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's tough true. parsing, but it's possible. It, yeah, I, I, I think so. I think my, my pick with it is even ignoring, like, I mean, I'm going with, like, you know, it's her grandma. Like, no, 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 this, this is not, no gay in this opinion is the, like, I wonder how much, how important the check was in the book in that it's played up. It's very important in the movie, but it's also not like they, we have all these sprinkles of how she's different from other kids yeah, and how it's very valid. She is different and she suffers for it. But then also, you know, just being 12 and like life is hard when you're 12. But then there's also this, it's not, I don't want to say undeserved, but like it almost would have made more sense to figure out that it was her grandmother in the middle of the movie because you know, we've seen her go on this journey and by the end, she's a completely different person. And I don't, and it's hard to be like, why did she have to find out that it was her grandmother to move forward? Like it's, it's this very interesting barrier that almost feels like, like, I, I, I what a problem I have is I think you could read the ending of the movie as she needed this familial foundation in order to move exactly, past. which is why but, like, I but prefer, a lot of people in real life you know don't have that you know. But that's they, my they, thing they, is I prefer the reading you presented from CBR that this was you know you know the grandmother was about her past. And this is about who she's becoming, which is, I like that reading a lot better, like about Yoriko and like, you know, this is my family now. I like that. And also choosing family where all of her family didn't like, you know, like her grandmother was searching for what she didn't have. And then ultimately it fell apart. And then so did Emily. And in this case, she's succeeding. She's found her family and it has nothing to do with blood. That's important. That's a good story. That's a good message. But But then going with this, like... I don't like the other interpretation where it's like, oh, she to finally feel okay about herself. She had to be like, I have a family like I was related to this woman by blood. And like, like to me, it's like, like it's meaningful only in that Marnie's great and she has this deep connection with her. But like, it's like kind I don't I don't want to say sloppy, but it's almost like they created this hurdle. And instead of like actually getting over it they were just like oh she's related now she now she feels better because she's adopted that's not a good ending i have thoughts about that um i think that's a super fair reading i think for me like i i can't like not see anna as at least like a pretty queer-coded character and i think like 
for me, like it, it's like a combination of like her her finding out about the money and that making her like she she's already an introverted kid. Like I don't think she completely transformed by the end of the movie. She's still like she she's still shy, but she's more willing and comfortable to like talk and show express like enthusiasm than she is initially. Um, but I think like on top of her being like on top of her feeling like so disconnected from her foster family, she also like might just really feel uncomfortable literally not being like other girls because everyone else is like straight and looks feminine and she doesn't. So to me, like I read it a lot more of like Marnie meeting Marnie helped her feel like a little more comfortable with herself because this person just so clearly expressed love and affection right away um, she she didn't have to work hard to earn it, which like can be very difficult when you're in depression, right? To like see yourself as somebody yeah. worth love. And Marnie just gave it to her. So I feel like Marnie was the stepping stone to help her kind of accept herself. Like being with her extended family really helped because they just kind of let her do what she wanted and trusted her, which was another like stepping stone. And then like Marnie ultimately brought her to Sayaka, who seems very happy and willing to be her friend. And they already thankfully had something in common to establish that friendship over they both wanted to figure out the secret behind the diary so i feel like for me like anna's transformation at the end wasn't just because she knew that her grandma was her grandma but it was like her grandma like helped her start to like go on her own journey to be more accepting of herself into by finally accepting herself as she is in her many forms in my head canon queer included she's then able to extend that love outwards and to actually like take hold of those relationships that are like ready for her to be there. Um, so for me, like she has a little more agency and it's not just all on Marnie to like be the reason she gets oh, better. No, I agree with you. It's just that like at the end, it just feels a little cheap. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, agree I with Michelle. definitely when you have an adoption story and then you're like, look, you found your family. It's yeah, like, why? Yeah, that's, like, that's not yeah. good. That, that's like, and I think that's not what the movie's going for right. ultimately, but like, it is a thing where it's in the beginning, she's an orphan and then she's happy at the end yeah. after she figures out who her grandma was. But it's, it's yeah, ultimately exactly. it's going for more of, of what Michelle says. Right. No, I agree. Um, it's yeah. about the intimacy and learning, like letting people love you. Yeah. But a lot of stuff was like a little more subtle than just like the extended montage we get when she's a baby and she's remembering the song and like all that's like a lot more explicitly just there in your face in a very emotional moment. So I feel like it like your reading is totally valid because it's not like that stuff isn't important. Well, it's one of those where the twist is like they did it for the sake of the twist as opposed to like her being her grandmother does not add anything like it to me. It makes the narrative worse, not because I want them to be gay. But I mean, I do, but because it like it, you know, it turns this adoption story into all she needed to know was where her family was. And like, that's not like, that's not good. Like, we know bad. I think I think it plays into the heteronormativity of it. I think part of like societal expectation is like family is so essential and important. And so it is finding family. And it has to be by blood. And I think it's all these expectations. I think like probably that you could do a version of this twist where um, this was just a random ghost ghost old lady that she connected with. Yeah. And, uh, it's not related mm. to her. And it's probably overall stronger. Um, I mean, I think that's a good point. Dylan. I don't think maybe necessarily the blood even matters. I think like for Anna, like the, the forgiveness was more of the thing, right? It's like, it's not necessarily that she's like, oh, good. Like Marnie was my grandma. Thank goodness I can move on. It's like she realized that Marnie didn't abandon her because she might have right. had early memories of her. 
And like a lot of this was just her realizing like, oh, like I got to know her on a way I didn't think I'd ever be able to. I got to see like her past essentially and who she was when she was my age. And she clearly loves me right now. So she didn't like dump me on a foster family because she didn't want me. But, like it's just, that's like... the thing though. It's just like <laughs> it like it all comes back to like the family before. And it's like, I don't care. Like you're like that's that's the stuff. Like that's the rub. Like I agree with you. And like that's I'm not I saying am. like it, but that's that's the problem. It's this like adoption story like she's a foster kid and a lot of her problems are because she feels different because she's a foster kid and it's like oh look here's my family and it's the like the solution mm. is she found the blood family yeah yeah and it's it's there the and it, even if it's not the movie's focus it is there um yeah I, I think it's a complicated and i also find the ending very like overt it's like marnie's so smiley and happy at the end so different from the way she yeah. is before um yeah yeah, so uh, it's a little unsubtle. I, was, I found a lot, a lot of parts of the ending a little unsubtle. Well, that's but. the problem, I think, is, like, they sell it so hard at the end that, like, this is what she needed, which I think, like, like I yeah. agree, Michelle, there's a lot that's going on in the background. But that's the problem is, like, that's what the, the ending is, like, look, Marnie is so happy because... And she knows this person who knew her grandmother. Like, like, why? <laughs> also, like, un- the, the most unsubtle thing is when she finally calls Auntie Mom. Um, I think. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. And it was like so, really. <laughs> yeah. It's they really. I mean, I think you probably need to go hard into the. It's such a weird, complex ending. You probably need to go very hard into it. Um, and they do certainly. Uh, but you well, know, it's ultimately- because no one. Everyone's like, what? They're related. What? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this is. You could argue this is Ghibli's most weird, complicated ending. Uh, well, I mean, it's... the best part is when they explain it. They're like, "So what happened was she ran away <laughs> and she got married to this dude." I still hear the whole story. The whole yeah. But then she was depressed, and then yeah. like, because that's ridiculous. Like, that entire thing is like ridiculous. I mean, it's so sad. Like when you really think about it, it starts to fall apart a little bit. But like, I was honestly sobbing through it because it's just like <laughs> I was like, "This is so gay. I don't care." Like, is this? <laughs> Family stuff's all valid. Oh my god, Marnie's life kind of sucked in reality, and that sucks huh. too. And it's like, oh my god. Well, but and there's also- this interesting like generational trauma of like family issues, like legit. Yeah. Like it's like there's this whole thing, which which it kind of sucks that they don't really get into that. And I'm I'm not going to give them that much credit that oh it's subtext. Like no, you you put this in at the end because no one could have figured this out. And like so like there's a lot going on but it's also and again it is based off a novel maybe there's more of that in the novel i won't lie don't have that much confidence in this gay for grandma story but still yeah uh it's okay i like i like how we covered the ending it's is a lot there um it's it's a complicated movie that in, engenders passion i think that's good yes. uh, though but i think we all we all really like it but also um you know it's i think it's a great it, movie like it's I mean, beautiful it's great it's cute like it's a really good movie and i think it's a really powerful movie like i do think regardless of like some of the criticisms of the ending like i mean it may yeah, I, I do i do think the end is very emotionally powerful and like i was trying i was watching this at work and i was like i'm just gonna sob watching I, this movie thinking about my grandmother stupid ghibli movies making me cry like that was me it's fine yeah, that's that's, that's uh, as as usual, I guess. I don't know what what do the other Ghibli movies make you cry? Well, Grave of the Fireflies. Oh, okay, okay. Like, that was an easy one. That was an easy yeah. one. Uh, what's the, oh, what's another one that makes me cry? Now I have to think. Oh, I oh, cried no. watching Nausicaa when I thought she was Nausicaa. dead. Nausicaa. Okay. You know that that is pretty emotional. Like when she gets shot up. And then yeah. Okay. Like... So, well, quick, quick hits the other so the other stuff through the movie. Um, the setting. This movie takes place in uh, Kushiro Wetlands in Hokkaido in northern Japan. I think the farthest north we've gone for a Ghibli film. Um, and just gorgeous, gorgeous setting. Oh, um, in the the wetlands. Um, 
and uh also the marsh house uh the mansion that that marnie lives in gorgeous um, oh my I, god so yeah. pretty they're like everyone likes to paint this house it's like no duh it's pretty yeah, duh. yeah. <laughs> makes it checks out like oh it's my house i love this house too and, and i was like i feel you i also am obsessed with this house yeah, they love it. And they're like, we're renovating it again. Sneaking in that, like, we don't like change. It's like, please don't, like, why are you making this house ugly? Why do you do this? Yes, we, we have change. Don't put a flat and... screen in this, in this house, please. <laughs> yeah, unclear. Is it a modern, not modern? I see, I yeah, I didn't even no think of that until now. It's hard to tell if it's It 60s is hard, or... hard to tell. Yeah. I guess, like, rural Japan maybe feels older in, in depending on where you are. If you want to take the Ghibli uh, journey, which is very uh, tempting, you want to go to the, the southern isle, uh, rainforest island that inspired uh, Mononoke to the, the northern Hokkaido from this movie um, and hit all these stops along the way. One and, day. Um, one day. That would be the dream. Um, the score is by uh, Takatsugu uh, Muramatsu, and uh, I think it's it's very good. I haven't taken a deep dive into it. He also scores um, Ma- Marion the Witch's Flower, so he sticks with... Uh, with the, with this crew that th- this crew works on this movie basically just goes right on to to Ponok um in- including the the producer um Yoshikai Nishimura who's the the founder of of Ponok um yeah of note this is the only Studio Ghibli movie no credits for Miyazaki Takahata or Suzuki anywhere in this movie um very much the the newer generation before like they they shut it down and then they move on those people move on to Ponok um although I think I read a little bit of Miyazaki being involved at a very like the very start of adapting the story at a high level but but, um, he like scanned that, the thumbnails and said, "Looks good, good job." And yeah, then, I mean, I think it's, it's one of those ones. He's like, "Yeah, I'd like to adapt." It's uh, he, I adapt this someday, and then now he's always like, "Nope, I'm not doing it." So, mm-hmm. so another another director can do it. Um, a few of those in this in this later period. Uh, the end credit song, I love the end credit song. It's wow. uh, fi- fine on the outside. Oh, by... it's so same gal who sang wow. the stuff from Arietti, right? No, no, this is by Priscilla Ahn. She's an American oh. artist. Um, and a similar story to the Arietti she apparently wrote wrote into Ghibli and it's like I think it would be good for this and so they they have her on very just an English song by an American artist and then credits for this very weird compared to anything <laughs> except for Arietti um but it, it's really beautiful song definitely feels like it's from Anna's perspective um one of the most i think one of the most like personal uh end credit songs to the movie uh it feels like to me as yeah. underrated aspect of going through all the ghibli movies I, I think people probably know this but the ghibli is like 100 percent score on end credit songs being incredible and there's so many really incredible ones so uh that's that definitely something that stood out to me watching them all again like every single movie has such an amazing song at the end i, I uh, really i just want to say i really love the music for this like it, I mean, it's not a Joe Hisaishi score, but I feel like it's kind of the 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 vibe they chose is so perfect. Like it's it's so dramatic and so like over the top orchestral in moments, but like it just fits the high drama of this ghost story adventure, and it's just so it's so good. Like I did find it a very striking, strong, um, just OST, you know. Yeah, I do think. Yeah, I think the movie is very well made, and the the location of the 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 lake by the marsh by uh by the the mansion, the primary location of the movie, is always really gorgeous. Um, very, very like insular location, I think, for for a movie. We pre- pretty much just stay there the entire time. Um, that and like the the that way was way was house and stuff. Although we started in Sopro. Um. Yeah, I think I think that's most of what I had, and we we always uh, a lot of more moments. Uh, we could I think we hit on the the, the main ones. Um, 
But uh, this, the, I think the silo scene is super gorgeous. Um, that's probably oh, the, yeah. the and most spooky. intricately animated animated scene with the rain coming down and then the coat and everything. Um, yeah. Uh, Michelle, any final Marnie thoughts? Uh, I mean, yeah, but like, how do you condense it all? I mean, I, okay, there are two. There are two screen cap quotes left. I'll hurry and go through them. The iconic one where Anna tells Marnie, "I kept calling you in my heart," and Marnie yes. just kind of takes that in stride and is like, "Oh yeah, me too, same girl." Which, oh my god. And then one of the last ones where they're like holding, it's after like um, Anna's born her soul about like, you know, just feeling so alone and like having this frustration with like her foster family. And then like Marnie hugs her and says like, I love you more than any girl I've ever known. Yeah, <laughs> Which right. is, again, it, it finds like that on top of the secret thing where it's like, we, we have to keep the secret, but we'll be together forever. It's like, you just don't hear that kind of stuff about most girls with each other. And it just really helps <laughs> the queerness of this movie. Um, last, last thing. I, I I actually really love the location of this town for Marnie. Or sorry, for Anna. Because like it feels like, because it's kind of out of the way. And I remember like a comment um, her, her foster mom gave when they were like driving there like oh like since they built that highway like nobody drives through here anymore so it really is kind of like a quiet untouched part of the country in a way I think like maybe part of the reason it's important for Anna to go there is because like in the city like where she's used to growing up like everyone's a lot more concerned with like how they present themselves and like what's normal and like convention because there's a lot of people and it's like there's a lot of businesses booming everywhere but like in a quiet little town off the highway like this you really can just like be yourself and I feel like maybe for her it was a much easier place to be accepted because she didn't have the pressures of her normal life constantly around her and I kind of really like that layer to it too that like this humble town's just like not gonna bother her as much about being quiet and just wanting to do art or like you know <laughs> like it, it really does like I think the the setting does help her kind of come into her own in a way too so I thought that was a really good choice that does sound like only yesterday when you describe it like that. Yeah, um, I told Mich- you. Michelle's buying into the return to the countryside narrative that uh, Ghibli has <laughs> hammered into our heads for <laughs> so, so many movies. bother you, you can just be happy being who you are. This movie, yeah, I mean, you could argue this is one of the most successful presentations of this this uh, this theme of going to the countryside. And it's not even as overt as a lot of uh, the Miyazaki and Takata ones. It's interesting. Uh, good, good thoughts from Michelle to Anne Delaney. Any closing thoughts? I love this movie. This movie's just great. I think it's a really powerful and beautiful story. Very succinct. Yes, I, I do. Th- I do think it's it's very it's a, it's a complicated movie. Um, I don't know. I, I think we somewhat sorted it out, and somewhat it's just going to always be complicated. But uh, it's just it's, this mystery. It, it, <laughs> like, it, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> It is powerful and gorgeous, and it is nice that we finally got a movie from Ghibli that we could interpret as uh, as gay, at least. Um, and uh, right at the end, um, watch. Uh, I don't. There were. I will say, Goro. Um, we've only seen stills from Goro's upcoming movie. Well, I'll die in that rock if I have to. There, there are some uh, potentially queer characters in Goro's upcoming. I don't know. I've just seen stills. I'm interpreting, but uh, we're on the lookout for that from from. Interpreting? Do you mean like wishing really hard? 
Yeah. Fingers well, crossed. we'll see. I think uh, I feel like Goro would do it. Like, would be the one to do it. Like, obviously Please. Miyazaki, I feel like isn't going to do it, but uh, they could. Yeah, like, I yes, I, I want really that, pretty movies like, that are gay. That's all I want. That's <laughs> the thing. Like, this movie is so pretty, and 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 just like you never see queer things this well scored and animated and lovingly like again like watching this makes me feel like even more strongly like i want more things like this that are undeniable right like i want things to be this pretty and this beautiful sounding and this touching and moving and to not have to worry about naysayers well this is really this is the upsetting thing to me about this maybe final thought is i like you're like, this movie's gay, or you're like, it's her grandmother. And the answer is both. It, but the problem it, is, we can't even fall back on it and be like, this shows a beautiful friendship between two girls, because they're gay, and it's her grandmother. Like, that's the thing that gets me, is like, fine, if they can't be gay, can we at least have a beautiful, like, like girl-girl friendship? No, we can't even have that. So that's, I think that's the, like, that might be the crux of the matter for me, is I can't even fall back on the other thing that we never get. Two two different non friends relationships are presented. Yeah, it's interesting. Ridiculous. Go on. To to Michelle's point, if you if if you're interpreting this as like a a movie in the queer canon, this is definitely like the highest budget uh, animated queer thing we've ever done. Exactly. It makes such a difference. Like once you get a taste of that, it's like wow. Like what if we'd had this twenty (laughs) five years ago? Can you imagine? Like what if Nausicaa got with? Oh my god, I forgot her name. But like anyway. the power lady, the other princess, yeah. Kushana, that's a ship. Yeah, yeah Nausicaa and Kushana. Yeah, it's a ship. Oh, it's that's a ship. A ship. It's a ship. What about Asan and Lady Eboshi? Um, yeah. yeah. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> or like, okay. or simply, do not have men in these movies. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, look, Boy, we're talking about the prototypical Ghibli boy. A lot of Ghibli movies very female centered, so like, it's not like we're that far off from. Uh, from not having men in a lot of these. This this movie, not a lot of men, right? Um, yeah. The uh who who's the the silent guy? Yeah, we did the fisherman. Um didn't talk a lot about him. He's a, he's a, a, a nice silent guy. Character. There's it's wonderful. Torchy. He's great. Um yeah, and then the owl carver. <laughs> that's that's yeah, like there's it, right? two. And then yeah. maybe like grandpa, but he's barely in it, so he doesn't really count. So there's two men and everyone else is the lady. men the, yeah, Kazuhiko who doesn't talk, but we kind of know who he is. Yeah, that's a kind yeah. of <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I think uh, Marnie very like complicated but gorgeous, and uh, I'm glad it does exist, um, and that we got this movie, and uh, it is an interesting way to close out the chapter for Studio Ghibli, um, as in many ways one of the most distinctive uh, films we've gotten from Ghibli. Um, and excited for the future from the studio, but this this concludes our Ghibli rewatch series. Um, so it has been a lot of fun and uh, we've, we've covered a lot of ground here and I wanted to give some thank yous to end the series here. Um, I want to thank all of the people who've appeared on the podcast, uh, Delaney, Michelle, April, Alex, Allie, and Maddie. Um, and all of our, I guess we can do the patron. Thank you. Now patrons who have supported, uh, this, this series, uh, including, um, our patron of podcast, Kent and patron executive producers, Ryan, Steve, Alex, Beatrice, Hugh, Michael, Needle, and Phonician. I've, uh, quoted a lot of, uh, Amazing Ghibli sources on the podcast. Uh, most foremost, Susan Napier, um, who is an incredible writer, uh, author of the book Miyazaki World. Um, a few years ago, it just happened. We happened to get Miyazaki World as an advanced copy sent to us by the Wait, publisher. Wait, really? 
Yeah, and I wrote a review before the before the book came out. And uh, what luck in finding the best Miyazaki book ever written was just sent to us. Uh, by the, <laughs> what are the chances? A miracle. Yeah, it's uh, that was like my introduction to Miyazaki reading, and it was uh, like the still the still the best one. So like definitely check out Susan Napier's novel Miyazaki World if you just want the the best source of uh, of everything about uh, about Miyazaki. Uh, definitely like revere her her work a lot, and and uh, I think that's shown through me constantly quoting her throughout the series. Um, also, uh, Colin O'Dell and Michelle LeBlanc we we quoted a lot, and and their book uh, the films of uh, Hayao Miyazaki and Isao Takada. So, so I think that that's a, that's a little bit. A shorter one with shorter entries on each movie that's an, another great resource and i've quoted a lot of the best parts of that um we had uh danny caballero and her a few books um some interesting some interesting takes from her throughout um so thank you to everyone who uh who we've quoted also the miyazaki there's the ghibli documentaries including 10 years with Hiao miyazaki and uh, kingdom of dreams and madness um, among others um, a lot of uh, great stuff to check out and if you you want the names of all this I have been putting them in the podcast descriptions where you can go back and let's look at the info for each of these uh, these podcasts and check out check uh, them out um, the the titles of all of them so uh, thank you to, to everyone we've quoted who's who's contributed to our discussions um, I this is this has been one of my favorite things I've done podcasting. I'm really happy we did it. I was I was really afraid to do uh, such like this comprehensive look look back on my my favorite films ever. Uh, but uh, like now is the time. They're widely available. I'm so happy about that, and I hope that uh, we did them justice here. Uh, I think I think we we put a lot of work and uh, some had a lot of interesting discussion about all these movies. And I'm happy this is now going to exist as a feed for people to reference if they check out Studio Ghibli movies. Can search up the rewatch feed and listen to these podcasts um so also thank you to everyone who's listening now or in the future um it's been it's been a lot of fun and all of uh find everything about us overlyanimated.com um i think we've done all of the ending stuff for the podcast so for one last time thank you listening for listening guys for the ghibli rewatch series bye bye bye